interlude number one. Ooh. But Eddie, aren't interludes in music? Yeah, they are. But I, I tried to find something that would be like sort of equivalent for a book. And it turns out there isn't. It's just interlude. Interlude's the same thing. I just So basically what it is, is that I'm not reading out a chapter this episode. There's a few things uh, over the past few chapters that we've been through. Chapter one, the eve of the war. Chapter two, on uh, chapter two, the falling star. Chapter three, on Horsel Common. Chapter four, the cylinder opens. So we've just got the Martians now. Um, go back and listen to them if this is the first episode. Thanks very much for, for having a listen. Go back, listen. I mean, each episode's only about half an hour long. Uh, and it's it's basically the premise of this podcast is that we take a chapter of The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells and we put it in a blender. We mix it up. It's a real intergalactic ball. So this episode, I've decided I wanted to talk about a few things I didn't have a chance to put into the first few episodes. There is Jeff Wayne's musical version of The War of the Worlds, which for me at least is probably more influential than the actual book. And also I've got a song that I've written uh, that's been heard on BBC Radio Manchester. <laughs> Excuse me? Hello. Uh, name drop. Clang. <laughs> If you're enjoying the podcast, uh, please like, subscribe, tell everybody that you know, tell literally everyone you know. If only there was some sort of technological advance that meant that you could interact with people on a global scale and express your love for something. If there was some sort, I don't know, maybe it could be like a like a like a, a book of faces, something like that, or like a like a, it could be based around what noises birds make, like a sort of tweeting, a tweeter, something like that, or Instagram. I don't know. Uh, so share share it about, please. Um, if you want to get in touch, uh, get in touch with me on Twitter at Eddie Hurst. Um, you know, let me know if you enjoy Jeff Wayne's musical version of the War of Worlds. Let me know if you don't enjoy it. Just keep that between yourself and your God, okay? So here we go. I hope you enjoy the episode, and I'll speak to you in literally two seconds. I'd be lying if I said I started this podcast based on a deep love of H.G. Wells' literary endeavors. Don't get me wrong. I've always loved the ideas in books like The Time Machine, The Invisible Man, and I found The Door in the Wall a lovely short story when I read it at high school. Until I started working on the show, Eddie Hurst's comedy version of Jeff Wayne's musical version of H.G. Wells' literary version via Orson Welles' radio version of Steven Spielberg's film version of The War of the Worlds, my experience with The War of the Worlds was largely learning about Orson Welles' radio show at the Museum of Science and Industry, also what I found to be an underwhelming film version with Tom Cruise, and most importantly of all, Jeff Wayne's musical version of The War of the Worlds. Let me set the scene. My dad bought a record player just when they were getting popular again in the late 2000s. And so then for me began the ritual of rummaging through the large collection of prog, glam, and largely dad rock within the boxes that had returned from a long stasis in the attic. Amongst the queen, yes, that's yes, the band. And, as I think was the law for any owner of a record player in the 80s, Frampton Comes Alive, there were two records in there that I was immediately drawn to. The first was The New Goodies LP, a record by the Monty Python-adjacent comedy troupe which included The Funky Gibbon. That's the, the song Funky Gibbon, not a member of the band. No surprise, then, that it helped further foster a career in musical comedy, the seeds of which were sown by Tenacious D, nurtured by Bill Bailey, and grown by The Flight of the Concord. The second one looked completely different to anything else in the boxes. It was covered in old-fashioned illustrations of strange steam age machines, with a raven picking meat out of one of them. It was hefty and heavy and had emblazoned on the front of it the title of Jeff Wayne's magnum opus. Of Jeff Wayne's magnum opus. 
for it put in the player, I, I didn't have a clue what to expect. Was it, was it going to be like an audiobook with a musical score underneath it? Possibly with tangents, further exploring the plot and times of the book? I mean, because if so, that sounds like a great idea. Definitely something I'd love to subscribe to, rate five stars, and tell all of my friends to listen to. But what I actually did hear, after a crackle of the dust in the grooves of the vinyl, was a dignified, somber tone of Richard Burton. No one could have imagined in the 19th century that life was having a look at from, a, from an alien and that. I like to imagine it with the full title of the record as Jeff Wayne's musical version of H.G. Wells' literary version of The War of the Worlds. That it's called Jeff Wayne's musical version is amazing too, because it implies that he was worried that there was a risk you might confuse it with a musical version of some of the many others that have never and probably will never exist. Oh, you mean uh, Lady Gaga's musical version of The War of the Worlds? Oh, no? All right, how about Cool and the Gang's musical version of The War of the Worlds? Celebrate Martians, come on! Double Unvisions. Oh, no. This is the one everyone was asking for. Done away with words in place of a musical disco adaptation of the Victorian science fiction novel. Because when you hear about a story of Martians invading, massacring, and taking over Earth, you can't help but think it would be improved with a mini mood keyboard, a wah-wah pedal, and the lead singer of Thin Lizzy. The green flash in the sky, as demons were here all along, in our hearts and souls, just waiting for a sign from him, and now they're destroying our world! But they're not devils, they're Martians! There is absolutely no reason why on paper this should work, and yet, here it is, succeeding beyond belief. Since its creation in 1978, it's been selling out performances for over 40 years. They got Liam Neeson in the remake of it. I mean, I guess you could say he was, uh, taken by the premise? Uh, I mean, I won't, but that's an option available to <clears throat> you. They even just this year started doing an immersive theatre version of it with uh, VIP packages of themed cocktails and virtual reality headsets that you had to wear when you went around the whole place. So, basically what I'm saying is Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, an absolute triumph against all the odds. And I have a deep appreciation and love for all these sorts of things that would appear to have no right to be as good as they are. I think possibly, deep down, it's the idea that no matter how weird or unusual you yourself may be, there's still a chance that you can receive acceptance and, you know, ultimately be adapted into a virtual reality adventure with your own personalised cocktails. And I don't think that's too much to ask for. But whilst the chances of anything coming from Mars is a million to one, Jeff Wayne is one in a million. He was born the son of Jerry Wayne, a star of the stage most famous for not being John Wayne. Pilgrim, you're going to need a couple of stitches. A man who, as you'll find out, you can only hope was a more talented performer than he was at coming up with names. So his naming process was... Well, I'm Jerry Wayne, and you're obviously Wipe Wayne, so let, let's change some letters and we'll just call him Jeff, all right? Yes, I'm done. Let's never have another child. Jeff grows up, does a degree in journalism, and farts around on keyboards in bands at uni. You know, fa fairly standard. Then, his dad approaches him to write the music for an adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities, providing further evidence that his selection process for names and employees is often based on what is immediately at his hand's reach. I mean, I'm surprised that Jerry Wayne didn't make a theatre production called My Office Desk and My Pen and My Lamp and other things directly in my eyeline. 
I mean, I imagine that Jerry's choice of this is the equivalent of when my dad asked me to perform comedy for his office party. You know, why go out for a hamburger when you could ask your son to try and make you one at home because you're really comfy in that chair and it's wildly cheaper than those ludicrously inflated prices of the Burger Monarch! Only whereas I declined the chance to set the office ablaze with witty bants, old Jeff Wayne has a bash at it and it turns out he does a pretty good job of it. So, armed with a fluke musical version of Victorian literature, he becomes an advert jingle writer as I think we all know is the standard career trajectory of a journalism student. Hey, great work on your international affairs degree. Now quick, St. Helens Glass have got a TV spot that needs a 30 second track. Standard. So he's done that for a few years, he had some big hits in the advertising world, uh, he did the LBC radio intro. Yeah? Yeah? And then decides that the next logical step is, ah, hey, Shall I make a disco adaptation of a Victorian sci-fi classic? Why not, Jeff Wayne? Why not? But Jeff, baby, please, just to clarify, make sure, for the love of God, people are aware that this is a musical version right from the get-go. Yeah, sure. I'll call it the musical version of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. But wait, Jeff, what if people mistake it for all the various other musical versions of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds? Fair point. Don't want cool in the gang getting my credit. I'd clarify it a little more, pal. Pop your, pop your name on the front of it, you know? Jeff Wayne's musical version of H.G. Wells' literary version of The War of the Worlds. It rolls off the tongue. Winner of two Ivan Novella Awards, broad critical acclaim and commercial success. So Jeff's life has been a bit hither and thither, a little tricky to second guess, but there's sort of been a progression in his career and I guess from musical to jingles to back to a musical. Um, a fun fact about uh, his jingle writing and this musical in particular is that one of the compositions that he used for Lego, yeah, you know, the toy, uh, was a radio advert that made its way into the score of the War of the Worlds, and it's not—it's not one of the—it's um, not one of like the upbeat ones either. It's Forever Autumn, which, for if you're aware of the musical, it's—it's it's the song mourning the narrator's perceived loss of his wife and father after the crushing defeat of humanity's last defense against the Martians. Your wife may not be here, but Lego Play said sure are. So be sure to pick up your latest from All Good Toy Store. So career-wise, this is possibly Jeff's high point, but it's definitely not his weirdest. I mean, this is what, like, it's because I, li I like the, war the musical version of The War of the Worlds, and then I looked into Jeff Wayne's life, and it's just, it just gets bonkers. Like, what's next? What does he do? What do you think he could do, right? Like, maybe he'd write a, uh, write another musical or two, yeah? A rock opera or something? Have a guess. Go on, have a think. Oh, wow, how did you get that? Uh, well, I, I mean, if anybody's listening who didn't guess it, uh, alright, bit slow, but what he does choose to do is he creates a publishing house and then publishes a single book which is about tennis. <laughs> so there's probably been a few books written about tennis, I mean I guess you can imagine, so given his penchant for elaborate and specific naming, uh, do you want to have a guess at what it was called? Maybe Jeff Wayne's written version of the sport of tennis, Jeff Wayne's literary version of a game of tennis, Jeff Wayne's non-musical version of the sporting version of the field game of tennis. Nah, he calls it the book of tennis. The man will not be second-guessed. He is a clairvoyant nightmare. Similarly, the reception of the Book of Tennis was a little different to Jeff Wayne's musical version of H.G. Wells' literary version of A War of the Worlds. Like, I'm not saying the book wasn't a hit, but what I am saying is that it came out in 2002, has never been reprinted, and there's no website for it, and it no longer exists. I, uh, I eventually managed to get my hands on a copy of it, which I have right in front of me, and <laughs> it's weird. Like, it's ring-bound. It's a ring-bound book. Who, who ring-binds a book that you can buy? It's not a financial projection for a third quarter. But you know what? War of the Worlds, still a masterpiece. Still touring. So do a passion project book, Jeff. 
I mean, you were never a professional tennis player. Sure, you played it at school and you, you do some coaching. Uh, you're definitely not an authority on it. You're certainly not of a level to justify creating something as confidently named as the Book of Tennis, but uh, all right, crack on. So maybe now get back to writing an award-winning musical or something, yeah? <laughs> he writes, produces, and does the musical score to a TV show based around the Book of Tennis. Jeff Wayne of Jeff Wayne's musical version of the War of the Worlds televisual version of Jeff Wayne's The Book of Tennis written by Chris Bowers. Now it's, it's called The Book of Tennis Chronicles, which is at least just as clunky. Nowadays we have TV shows based around novels, films, and occasionally even original ideas if there's been a grave administrative error. Back in the day though, you could reasonably make a whole series based on a self-published book about a sport in general. I mean, I say back then, this was only 2005, meaning between this and The War of the Worlds there was about a 30 year gap. Okay, so then he went back to musicals and they weren't very good. It turns out that disco adaptations don't work with the Taylor Spartacus, but that's not the point. The point is, the man was a maverick and he wouldn't be put in a box. I will say though, this is a metaphorical box. Uh, most people don't like to get put in literal boxes. That's very much why it usually only happens after you're dead. But my point is, trying to subdue the coursing talent of Jeff Wayne is like using a toothpick to push back a tsunami. So I think that's why I'm so drawn to this musical and from there into this whole story. Like, not only is the premise of it so totally bonkers, but the more I find out about Jeff Wayne's life, the madder it is too. And it's something that's great about War of the Worlds in general, and one of the reasons for its supreme staying power. You know, it's been adapted far more than any other sci-fi book, I think ever, really, probably. Like, it's worked as a musical, as a, as, a, as a number of radio shows, countless films, and like even just over the past year before I started recording this, the BBC, they've released a, uh, a period drama based on it in Victorian times, and, and then HBO, just a few months ago, released a, a high-end miniseries of it, like if it was happening in contemporary times today. Although, if you ask me... Uh, the idea of an unknown force taking over the earth, plunging it into a lockdown, only for months later the threat to subside and we return to a life which will never be the same again? <laughs> I don't think that's likely to happen, mate. <laughs> right? Anyway, I'll meet you at the pub. You better keep one plus metres away from me, though. You've got a secret I'm gonna find out I need honesty You turn away but it's clear to see From your ankle to your thigh You've got a robot knee What? Robot knee, robot knee It shoots out lasers and it burns coffee Robot knee, robot knee Part of you is made of cybernetic technology so don't hide be true to me so is your robot knee I've got a secret I'm keeping from you you might not believe it but I promise it's true See, while you're mostly human except for one part machinery I'm mostly made of wires and cogs and technology Except for one part of my body Can you guess what it is? My knee Human knee, human knee It just burns when I spill coffee Human knee, human knee My original knee 
from me on a raid on my laboratory. I've been searching since the 70s, and I think finally, I think you've got my knee. Robot knee, robot knee, it can make coffee and also tea. Robot knee. Give, me my, give it back. It's mine. Get your own. All right, guys, thank you for joining me for the first interlude. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Let me know what you think, because I know it's not. we're not covering a bit of the of the, the, the book in this episode. We're going into some bits surrounding it. Um, I'm thinking of doing a lot more of these. I've got some more ideas about, like, video games based on the War of the Worlds and stuff like that. If you like them, please, you know, let me know. Get in touch on Twitter, or you can get in touch via my website, uh, edyhurst.co.uk. EddieHurst.co.uk Eddie, why do you spell it E-D-Y? Surely that would be E-D. Well, uh, fuck you. So thank you very much for listening. I'll see you next week on Interlude 2, where we look a little bit more about what the actual chances are of aliens coming from Mars. Eddie Hurst's podcast version was produced by Eddie Hurst, written by Eddie Hurst and H.G. Wells. Special help this episode to just me, baby. Please like, subscribe, rate five stars on wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks very much, guys. See you later.